Hey, come in. Uh, hello, Mr. De Laurentiis. Uh, I got those uh, thriller scripts that you wanted uh, to good. look at to produce another movie. Would you like me to let you know what Tell they me, are? Tell me, what you got? Tell me what kind of movie you want me to make, eh? Okay, so these are all erotic thrillers like you told me to because you wanted something oh. that, that made people scared and also oh, to watch yeah. sex. Oh, yeah, like the basic instinct. I want something like that. Okay, um, yeah. so... Super sexy, got... super scary. Okay, I have one, and you also wanted it to be different yes. from the regular ones. So here's the first one. It's about it's a it's a erotic thriller uh, okay. about a, a dissatisfied housewife that um, plans to kill her husband and take the insurance money, and her lover is a circus clown. No, 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 don't like it that one. No, don't like it oh, that one. The you husband, don't like that one. No, the husband and the audience don't like a movie where they're getting killed. Okay, how about no this good. one where it's a dissatisfied housewife and she wants to get the, the life insurance money from her husband, but the lover is a Labrador retriever. Oh, no, people are not going to like that. No, they don't like it, the sex with the dog. Okay. No. Oh, people oh, get a, people have... have a dog. They don't want to think about people having sex with the dog. No, 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 okay. no. We're not doing that. Okay, so uh, this one is where the lover is a car. No, uh, well, maybe. Put that in the maybe pile. Okay, but I guess it depends on what kind of car, what, huh? Is it an Italian car? No. Oh, forget it. It's a VW Bug. Oh. It's actually a, 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 a brand new direction for the Herbie the Love no, Bug. No, no. Who could make they, a love to a, they, to a German car? No, no, no. Herbie the Sex Bug. Okay, you don't like nah, that one. Okay. No, no. You make it well, a Ferrari, then maybe we have something. We have a script by a couple of unknown writers. Okay. I don't know, but... Um, where it's basically the same thing, but um, the, the 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 lover is is a woman. Okay, and so the lover is a woman, and the hero is a guy. No, no, no. They're both they're both they're both women. They're 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 lesbians. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait. Okay, so you give me that script, and you get the fuck out. I had to see you. <clears throat> Look, I don't think this is a good idea. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is good, isn't it, Steve? For the people that remember it <laughs> or have, or have seen forgotten. it at some point. <laughs> no, it's not. If it was totally forgotten, we wouldn't be doing it on this show, obviously. But Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, not everyone went to go see it. No. It barely made its budget back. <laughs> right. But, I mean... Yes, I would it, say it, it has it, a very good reputation. It was a launching pad for two people who had a, a good had movie after. Yeah, uh, just to say the least. <laughs> yes. I don't think this is a good idea. What movie could we possibly be talking about? Well, we're talking about the 1996 neo-noir erotic thriller, Bound. Oh, Bound. Yeah. Sorry, I put a... You, some burrito in my mouth. You're doing Bound, a, that's great. You're doing a thing where like you're 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 wearing a gag. No, which I is have part a of burrito the, in my mouth. It's part of the theme of the movie because you're like in I record these at noon, I don't get lunch. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> now I'm choking to death. Oh no. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the final episode of Late Seating. Don't make me laugh! It's making it work! If Jason chokes to death, I'm not sure how, I mean... Steve's trying to kill me! Try to, if you feel yourself passing out, try to at least uh, save your half and email it to me so I can edit the, <laughs> the podcast together. With my dying breath, you'll get the beginning of this hey, show? you can live for something or die for nothing. Oh, jeez. 
Yes, Bound! The erotic thriller. Or thriller. Or neo-noir neurotic. The neurotic. <laughs> the neurotic Ooh, thriller. Erotic. <laughs> Maybe kind no, of. That's, if, if Woody Allen made one. Uh, yeah. Boy, wouldn't you like to see Woody Allen make an erotic thriller oh. and put himself in it? Oh, boy. That would be just terrific and not uncomfortable Sorry, at all. officer. I, did, I had no idea that she was less than, oh, you know, the age of, you know, consent. It's hard to tell. I'm, I've got glaucoma. <laughs> she was 15 going on 35. <laughs> and that's why we haven't reviewed one of his movies yet. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> Because he's he's a really, really bad person. Uh-huh. Okay. Allegedly. Alle- he's allegedly a terrible monster man. <laughs> Yay, Bound! Yes. Hey, Steve, do you have any trivia about the movie Bound? I do have some trivia about Good, the movie Good, make it Bound. long so I can eat this other burrito. Okay. So, hey... Guess what? When the Wachowskis first pitched this movie to studio executives, one of the suggestions that they got from such an executive was, hey, good idea for a movie, but could you change one of the characters to a man? They, They specifically wanted the character of Corky to be changed from a a, a female character to a male character. And the Wachowskis said, well, but that's kind of the whole point of the movie. (laughs) They should have said, okay, but only if we can turn the Violet character into a male. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What they said was actually, they said, uh, they obviously they refused to make that change. And they said, well, that movie has already been made a million times. Yeah, that's true. Which, of course, is why the executives wanted them to do it again, because studio Mm -hmm. executives have the opposite of imagination. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, obviously, this is a a neo-noir film and takes a lot of inspiration from pulp fiction and detective stories and caper movies and all kinds of other genre stuff. And the Wachowskis cited as major influences uh, the work of Billy Wilder, the great filmmaker who we've talked about in the past. That's true. And also uh, Frank Miller, before Frank Miller completely went over the cliff. Um, lost his fucking <laughs> lost mind? Lost his fucking mind. Specifically, Frank Miller's uh, Sin City comics, which mm-hmm. which were were had just come out, and I think he was still making them in the 90s when this movie mm-hmm. was, was being made. So uh, Frank Miller's Sin City, some of the best sort of neo-noir crime comics uh, of that period, and they were also apparently mm-hmm. a big influence on the Wachowskis uh, for uh-huh. Bound. And, and of course, this was the this was their first... Well, they both wrote comics for, for uh, Marvel. Right, and they, and comics the were a big influence on their work mm-hmm. f- after this because, of course, this this was their breakthrough. And then after this, their next film was a little side project that some people might remember uh, called uh-huh. called The Matrix. Yeah. So there you go. And what they do after that? Mm, on two more Matrix movies. <laughs> <laughs> and they they've done some other things too, but nothing is. As, and uh, for some yeah. reason, studios keep throwing millions of dollars at them. Make us more Matrix movies. <laughs> no, they don't want any more. <laughs> they got the two. If you ever want to see diminishing returns in action, oh. watch the Matrix movies. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm. All right. You want to know who made this? Yes, I would love to know who made this. Well, I ain't telling you. Oh, how about them fuck. apples? But then how... Luca? <laughs> You're, You're going to have to cut my fingers off to get this information uh, out of me. Oh, hey. <laughs> See, he's, movie reference. He's referencing things that happen in the movie. <laughs> Why are you whispering? Um, that it's, to it's just between me and the audience. You're not supposed to hear that. Oh, so you have a special relationship it's, it's with a, the audience that a, I don't. It's a confidential relationship that we have, yes. 
Hey, audience, he hits me no, when you're you, not sh- looking. You shut your face. <laughs> See, you he's a violent man. You shut your lying face. Please don't give me the pipe again. Where were you before I found you? Happy. Oh. <laughs> Boy, that, uh, that that cuts pretty close, actually. I feel like I need to take a step back and evaluate myself. Oh, uh, wow. That was the intended effect. Wow. Do you want to know who made it Yes, please. Oh, God. Yes, right. please. Please stop us before we go into another bit again. <laughs> All right. It was directed by the Wachowskis. Lana and Lily. Yep. Now, they had not transitioned yet, but they have transitioned since then, and now they're just known as the Wachowskis. Yes. And they did this, and they did the Matrices, (laughs) and they did um, Cloud Atlas, which I don't know how to feel about. (laughs) Really, it's one of those movies where I'm like, well, it was technically really good and the performances were good and i don't know what they were trying to say really but then boy they spent a lot of money on it <laughs> i feel bad not liking it it's obviously they, made, they put a lot of work into it they made speed racer and i was the only person on earth that apparently liked that movie but oh. that's because they stuck to the original cartoon and yeah so at least uh, you speed had racer. the theater all to yourself I can explain Speed Racer this way. They announced it at Comic-Con. The people at Comic-Con were the only people that know what Speed Racer is. (laughs) And they didn't pay attention that the rest of the fucking Earth did not know or care what Speed Racer was. Right. So they made their Speed Racer movie. It was very much like the cartoon show. And the cartoon show is Drek. So... (laughs) That's what happened. But it's Drek with a large nostalgic fan base. Uh, not that large. Not that large, but but a a devoted nostalgic mm-hmm. fan base. And uh, the the last movie I think is was Jupiter Ascending. Yes. Who? Uh, that's kind of like Star Wars on mescaline. <laughs> <laughs> and yet people still give them money to do stuff. Anyway, it was produced by Stuart Boros, nothing, and Andrew Lazar, and he's produced movies like uh, American Sniper. Oh, boy. And the smash hit Jonah Hex. Oh, wow. Everybody remembers that classic. Uh Uh-huh. And Get Smart, the remake movie thing. Remember that? No? Okay. (laughs) It was written by the Wachowskis, who's also written one of my favorite movies ever, but that's mostly because they're stealing from Alan Moore, and that was V for Vendetta. Mm, Yeah. Starring Gina Gershon. Remember her? She's quirky. And she was in Face Off. Yeah. And showgirls and awful, awful thoughts of oh boy, yeah. Steve. Oh, she's had one of those careers. <coughs> yeah, she has. Yeah, Jennifer Tilly is Violet, and she's been in everything but no major starring roles. Literally in Wikipedia, it says she's best known for playing the voice of Chucky's girlfriend. Yeah, which sadly I think I would have to agree with. Yeah, and this movie. and this movie, which was a a sleeper, let's just say. <laughs> Well, almost completely asleep based on the box office. (laughs) Joey Pants! Or Joey Pantoliano, one of the greatest character actors ever. He's been in everything. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And um, he, you would remember we reviewed one of his movies. We reviewed Goonies. He's in Goonies. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. And also The Matrix. Yeah. And also Memento. Memento, yeah. And I could just, I could name off his movies now from here until God knows when. And he's good in I, everything. 
Yeah, he is, actually. He really is good good in everything. everything. Mary Mara as bartender, and she did a bunch of TV stuff. Susie Bright is Jessie, and she's a sex-positive feminist who consulted on the sex scenes and stuff in the movie because it had lesbians in it, and they're from a foreign country, and we don't know anything (laughs) about them, so we gotta get someone who speaks their language to come in and approve all the stuff. And I remember, because I have a lot of lesbian friends, because I was not only living in San Francisco, but a few of my ex-girlfriends were now lesbians. I didn't make them that way. They experimented. They wanted to see, and I was the guy they wanted (laughs) to see with. So our breakups were amicable, and we were still friends after. Stop burying burying into my life, Steve! (laughs) So you're saying you don't carry decades of selfish bitterness over the fact that a few of your girlfriends turned out to be lesbians. You just figure that's just the way it is and it's no big deal. Look, it was, I met them, they identified as lesbian, then they would have a confession about how they felt about me, we would pursue a relationship, and then it would be over, and then they would eventually get married to a very nice woman, and they'd have kids together. And I would just kind of be standing there in the rain. No, I wouldn't. I would be very happy (laughs) It was a really nice story until that last bit. (laughs) No, I'd be very happy for them. We're all friends. We all went to go see this movie, and while we all agreed it was really good, they said, mm-hmm. <laughs> Really? About a few. Just, just Interesting. A few okay, cool. Because remember, lesbians are a group, diverse group of people. Oh, for sure. They are, for sure. I'm sure, far-right Republican ones. There, somewhere. I guess there have to be, statistically. <laughs> yeah, there has to be, yeah. <laughs> not everyone agreed with some of the stuff in the movie, and also the main characters are not actually lesbians. That's true. So... Um, but they got her to do it, and she was very popular. She's a, an author of many, many books. She's from the San Francisco Bay Area, Berkeley area, so yay. And then they gave her a little tiny blink and you'll miss it part. Yeah. Okay. Margaret Smith as woman cop. You don't even really see her in the movie, but they, she's in the bar scene. But she was also in Goodfellas and the remake of The Blob, which is excellent. If anybody wants to see a really good remake, watch the remake of The Blob. Um, and she was a writer and producer on The Ellen DeGeneres Show. Mm. Barry Cavell as Shelley, and he was in The Natural and Crocodile Dundee and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Christopher Maloney is Johnny Marzone, and you'll know him from uh, Law and Order, if that's your bag. Yeah, Law and Order right? SVU. Yeah, yeah, and a bunch of other stuff, but mostly Law and Order. Uh, John Ryan is Mickey Milanto, and you'll know him from The Right Stuff and about 5,000 other movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's a character actor, and he gets lots and lots and lots of work. This is probably the nicest part I've ever seen him play. He usually plays a bureaucratic jerk. Yeah, oh, yeah. But this time he gets to play a mafia enforcer, (laughs) and he's really good at it. (laughs) Yeah. Peter Spello says, Lou, he's mostly a voiceover actor. Ivan Kane as Cop 1, nothing. (laughs) Richard M. Richardson as Cop 2, he's also a voiceover actor, gets a lot of work. Richard C. Serafayan, Serafayan, fuck it, as Gino Marzone, and he was in Bullworth, and um, he was the director of Vanishing Point, and he's been in a whole bunch of other movies, too. Another character actor, because they work cheap, because this was a cheap movie. It was cheap. <laughs> Six million dollars, even back then, six million dollars. Yeah. Gene Borkin as Roy Nothing. <laughs> Music by Don Davis. He also did The Matrix. Cinematography by Bill Pope. He also did The Matrix. And he also worked... Uh, he did The Addams Family. And his latest movie is Alita Battle Angel. Hmm. That movie that we'll all remember forever. <laughs> um. <laughs> hey, it's Robert Rodriguez's crowning achievement. 
Of what? Of, of movie making. <laughs> I'd like to see him approach something adult at some point. It would be cool. It'd just be cool. Not something that looks like a comic book or is geared towards children. <sighs> Can we talk about him for a little this, while? About Robert Rodriguez. We should review one sure, of his movies not? at some point. Well, yeah, we probably should. Um, anyway, uh, edited by Zach Steinberg, and he worked on all the Matrix movies, wow. poor guy. Um, and he also, he's also edited a lot of other movies, and he also, and uh, including Police Academy, the first one. Wow. Produ- no. Production company, Dito De Laurentiis Companies, and The Spelling Group, distributed by Gramercy Pictures, released dated October 4th, 1996, running time 108 minutes, budget $6 million, box office $7 million. Wow. Whoops. <laughs> That's why there was no Bound 2. Yeah, Bound 2 Electric Boogaloo. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah, that has to bound, be the joke whenever you make a sequel joke. Bound, I actually have the perfect one. Okay. Bound 2 Girl Crazy. Oh, hey. <laughs> there you go. How about a, a, a mashup between Bound and, um, oh my God, I, could, I had the, the name of the movie in my head and now it's gone what? forever. Oh boy. But the ladies, the other two, oh, fuck it. Thelma and Just Louise. Just put me down. Put a, yes, thank you. Because <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I figured you might be going the same place I was going with that. Yeah, they hook up and they go, go on a, 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 a murder crazy rampage. Yeah, and then you have a, a shared cinematic universe, which people mm-hmm. love. Yeah, exactly. In fact, why don't we have Violet and Corky save them at the end of their movie? There you go. And that's when the second movie takes off. Perfect. And it's a combined sequel. Isn't that work good? Perfect. <laughs> they all have a scene. They all have a scene where they all do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is why men should not be making movies about lesbians. That's all I have to say. But Jason, they're not men. Yeah, they're not men now. They were men then, but they're not. They're not now. Well, so I don't know what that, I. Maybe depends. they were women that then. Depends on they how just you had look at transition. It. I know it's hell, but it makes it crazy. I think you're overthinking it. Uh, back then, before we knew what we know now, people were complaining that two straight dudes made a movie about lesbians. But now we know better. Shh, okay, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily any more complicated than that. It's more <laughs> complicated. All right, you wanted to do the run into the world. Yes, uh, the <laughs> yes. Let's, movie. let's run into run the into world. The bo- movie of Bound. Let's do it. The ma- the magical world. Super magical world of bound. <laughs> All right, Steve, let's put on our mafia clothes. Yeah. I, I want. I want to wear a world. tool belt. I want a tool belt. No, I want. I'm going to remodel only... this apartment next door. No, that's one of the lesbian characters. You can't do that. It's not. Is that like? Oh, is that like not cool? Is not. I'm not allowed to do You're that. You're appropriating uh, a lesbian's okay. identity. Don't do that. Yes, I'll be All the one guys of the gangsters. In this, all the guys in this movie are assholes, okay. and most of them die. I guess I'll be one of the gangsters. <laughs> Fine, there you go, good, okay. you got it. I want to be the right stuff uh, guy, then. Okay, fine, you can be Mickey. I want to be Mickey. I'll be unnamed thug. <laughs> How about that? The, you know, that the third or fourth most prominent gangster in the movie. I'll be the I'll be the cop that needs to use the bathroom. There you go. <laughs> oh, I can't, he's a black guy, and now the, I'm taking work away from a black you'll guy. You'll be the cop who is out in the in the apartment who misses all of the obvious clues to the horrible crime that's just been taken right, place. Right, that's just, just taken place. Yeah. 
All right. Okay. Okay. It's you and I. Let's do it. Dance merrily into the (laughs) should have just as well been black and white (laughs) movie of (laughs) Bound. Steve? Yeah. Take it away. Hey. So I hope you like Home Repair. Because that's that's how we start this movie. We we meet uh, Corky, Gina Gershon. Wait a minute. Who, no, we don't start it off that well, way. Well, you're sticking. Remember, first we follow. Oh, that's right. The there's Lord the Lord of a Fold. That's right. There's and, the little yeah, where we we see her uh, tied up in the closet first, and then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I wonder how that happened, and then we go back. And we hear voices. Yeah, because it's noir. Of dialogue. Yeah. Because it's noir. And it's like, oh, you sh- I, I'm here to misdirect the audience. You never should have trusted me. And, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And then, and, yeah. Yeah. Then construction. Construction. Which is what really excites Steve. So, uh, Steve, please. I honestly, I, and this this is for real. I've been watching nothing but this old house for like the last two weeks. So, for real. It, wow. It does. Hi, hi, Grandpa. Are hey. you okay? Yeah. <laughs> Ah, boy, they're framing the new porch today. Uh, they put in dovetails in that dresser. Oh, no. You know, the one that's sunken in the back. <laughs> now that's how you cut a mortise, boy. I'll that's tell you. craftsmanship. Not boy. like those Swedish assholes and their particle ah, board f- put it together. Yeah, put it together with snaps and pegs. What the? It's the fast food of furniture. You need self-tapping screws. So it won't come apart! Anyway. I just pictured your wife standing at the sink as you're screaming (laughs) that at the TV. (laughs) Well, no, because on this old house, they do that shit right. I don't need to scream at the TV. They do that shit (laughs) right. Oh, that's true. That's true. Tommy knows what he's doing. Anyway, uh... So Quirky is an ex-con. We learn eventually that she's just got out of prison, and she's in this apartment, uh, in this apartment building to do some work. And as we meet her, she's just she's getting into an elevator, yeah. and and then right as the elevator is about to close, someone else comes running up, and and two uh-huh. and two more people get in the elevator. And this is Violet, yeah. played by Jennifer Tilly, and her boyfriend right. Caesar, which is Joe Pantoliano. Yeah, Cesare. Yeah. Cesare, yeah. And they ride the elevator up together, and Corky and Violet kind of are looking at each other. They give themselves the up and down. Giving each other the eye. Yeah. And then they get off the elevator, and it turns out that the apartment that Corky is there to work on is right next door to Caesar and uh, Violet's place. What a coinky-dink. How convenient. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Corky goes in and talks to some guy on the phone right. and says, no, everything's fine. I'll be able to do everything because I do everything. I'm one of those people. Right? <laughs> exactly. You know, paint the walls and replace the floors. And I'm going to yeah. take out all the electrics. And I'm going to fix the pipes. Yeah, and unclog gonna... the drain in the gross right. bathtub. I don't know how the I'm... fuck did it get that way. <laughs> I'm going to replace all the oxygen in there. And <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to tear the whole building down, build it up from scratch. <laughs> you know, by the time you get back next month, it'll be great. Right, exactly. <laughs> so then what happens? Oh, doesn't she hear she hears uh, Violet and Caesar having sex through the wall? Cuz it's right. the, one of the one of the the really important facts about this movie is that the wall between the two apartments is really thin and you can it's hear everything. Paper thin. You can hear everything that happens on on the other side, so. It's just wallpaper. Apparently. There's not actually wall, it's just wallpaper. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she gets with the horny, yeah. And Corky decides she's gonna go to a bar and and try to pick up on someone, and that's when we get her backstory. Oh, I went away for 
five, five years. years. The, bar- the bartender's like, "Are you going to do crimes?" And she's like, "No, I'm going. I'm going to do fixer up. Shut up. Leave me alone." And then she walks to the bar and she sees a pretty girl and she sits down to the pretty girl. And then the pretty girl's girlfriend comes. I up. guess, yeah. Who is a cop? Who is a cop? And it's like, I got my eye on you. And she's like, okay, fine, bye. And she didn't get any with the sexy times. Boy, don't you hate that? Yeah. So she goes back to the, I don't know if this is the same night or a different night. I don't Everything's at night. It doesn't matter. Everything <laughs> takes place at nighttime. <laughs> Three years pass and she's still working on the, on the apartment. Right. And she gets a telephone phone call, and it's a guy say, "Hey, you gotta get there's work, and you gotta go next door because it's a pipe thing, right?" Yeah. So she goes next door, and Vi- mm-hmm. and Violet answers the door, and she's acting all embarrassed, like, "Oh, I didn't know they would ask you to do it. It's just this little thing. I lost my earring yes. down the sink, and if it, it you see, I was wearing skimpy negligee, sexy underwear. That's true. Yeah. And I was playing airplane with my ring above the sink, and I was doing a dive bomb on a on a on a, yeah. <laughs> on a Nazi encampment, and I got so excited going ba 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 bow that I dropped it into the sink and I went in the pipe, and I need someone with big strong hands. Oopsie, to undo it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So come in and don't look at my boobs or nipples or nothing. <laughs> And so she gets the she gets the ring. Yeah, right? yeah. And she's like, "Thank you. Will, will you please lick my pussy?" <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. She, actually, it's one of my favorite. It's one of my one of my favorite lines in the movie where she just comes. At Quir- uh, Quirky's like, "What what are you doing?" And and yeah. Violet just basically says, "I'm trying to seduce you." <laughs> yeah, and then she takes her hand, Quirky's hand, and puts it in her crotch. And it's all, oh boy, this is erotic thriller time. Yeah. This is where you get the erotic part. It's the erotic part. And they're, they're about to go at it, and Caesar comes in. <laughs> Joey Pants comes in. Yeah, and they have to jump up off the couch, pretend like they weren't about to do it. And then Caesar sees Quirky from behind, and he gets really pissed off for a second. Right. And then, and then he realizes it's that lady next door that's fixing the place up. And he drops all. He's like, okay. And he knows that the guy who's working on the place next door is a con. And so he assumes that she's a con. And then uh, I read this. Um, uh, Joey Pants wanted to add the handshake in. because Considering what Corky had been doing yeah. with her hand just a little bit earlier. He said, oh, that would be great. Yeah, which, and I love, that, I, I love that it's in there. And they don't like underline it or draw attention to it. Oh, no, it's just don't. there, and it's yeah, it's such a great mm-hmm. detail. He also says, "I bet you're pretty good with your hands." Yeah, that's in the that's yeah. in the script. Yeah, and then uh, she's like, "Okay," and then she leaves. Right. Yeah, and um, so technically, she still didn't get nothing. No. The next day, some kind of worm mole guy is at the front door, and he's like buzz- using the buzzer, and he's like, "Let me upstairs, please." <laughs> and Corky's like, "Who's this dude?" And he like gets let in, and then uh, Corky sees him go into the apartment, and then there's more sex noises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, what happens? Then? Did we miss the? Did is this? That I think when she sees. Shelly, that's after. They, oh, that's, that's right. After, they have a big sex scene. Yeah, they. Violet, uh, Corky's in her truck, getting ready to leave to go back to her place right. for the night, and Violet yes. gets in her truck, and she's like, "Okay, so right. sorry we got interrupted uh, earlier. Let's go to your place and have sex now." And then they do. And then that. they do that. And they have pillow talk, and they talk about their pasts yeah. a little bit and, and stuff. And right? they talk about uh, Caesar being a money launderer for the mafia. Right. Yeah. 
And then we have the scene with Shelly. Yeah. And Shelly showed this guy, and he gets up there, and he goes into her room, and then she has sex with him. And she's like, oh, okay. And then we cut back to them with pillow talk, and they get in a little bit of an argument. Right. And Violet's like, look, what you heard me do with Shelly, that didn't really, that, that shouldn't really count, because that was just work. That was just yeah. work. That wasn't, that wasn't making love like we do. Yeah. Yeah, that's that old line of horse shit. <laughs> right. And she's like, whatever, fuck you, whore. And she's like, whatever, fuck you, convict. Ooh, ooh, they're, they're, the gloves are off. That's right. And so now their feelings are hurted. But next day, I guess, yeah. um, they see two cheesies, Corky, Corky sees, sees, two guys, yeah, two guys leading Shelly, who's kind of beat up and crying into the apartment complex. Yeah, yeah. And one of these guys <laughs> is, is Johnny. Mm-hmm. We don't. Well, I don't think we know that yet. But but he's you know he's no. dressed real sharp and like a red suit and he looks like you know like a typical like mafia guy yeah. you know douchebag yeah exactly. Not saying that all mafia members are douchebags. <laughs> Anyone listening to this who belongs to the mafia, I'm sure you're a perfectly nice gentleman. I'm sure you just have a different kind of job. Yeah, I'm sure but, some mafiosa are lovely people. But Johnny's a douchebag. I bet you work with one and you wish you could pop him if you could only get permission. But that's who this guy is. <laughs> Yeah, and they go they go to Caesar's apartment and Corky can hear them beating the shit out of Shelly through through yeah. the pipes. Uh, because they're beating his head into the toilet. Yeah. And apparently they want to know where some money is. Yeah, uh-oh, did Shelly was <laughs> Shelly was he careless? Did he misplace the money like 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 uh what's his name in It's a Wonderful Life? Uncle Billy. Did yeah, he, like he, Uncle he just, Billy. He, he yeah. forgot where it was. He just left it sit. Now had had Jimmy Stewart dragged Uncle Billy <laughs> into the bathroom and beat his head into a toilet <laughs> saying, hey, now now you listen to me, you're gonna tell me where that money is, old man. What you do with that money, you, you, you silly old fool? <laughs> Zuzu, go get me go get me those <laughs> Go get me those pruning shears like I asked oh, you to. Oh, Daddy. Okay, Papa. Oh, Daddy. <laughs> now, Uncle Billy, I'm going to ask you ten questions. <laughs> uh, we just improved both films. Um, <laughs> no, so, but that's that's basically what happens. They they uh, we um, Johnny is there and Mickey is there, yeah. who's sort of like the, the, the enforcer guy. And he's above everybody in that room. Yeah, and he, with the exception of maybe Johnny, maybe. because John because of who we find out Johnny's dad is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they they get like a pair of uh, hedge trimmers. And they put them on pruning, pruning shears. shears. Yeah, and jeez, uh, Louise, you little city mouse. I don't pay attention to the the landscaping. You don't I don't pay attention to the landscaping parts of this old house. I fast forward <laughs> to get back to the you know. So he asked him to go get a, a, a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, or whatever it is. The thing you use, you, you use them to cut things. I don't know. An axe. Uh, he he threatens to Christina get me the axe. <laughs> yeah, he see he threatens to cut off a finger every time. Uh, now you listen to me, Louis B. Mayer. I'm gonna ask you ten questions. <laughs> uh, are you gonna cast me in Mildred Pierce or not? <laughs> Wrong answer, Louis. <laughs> Everyone needs to go back to our mommy dearest review. Uh, anyway. So he cuts off one of Shelly's figures and he starts squealing like a pig. Yeah. And then they take him away. Oh, well, and while this is all going on, Violet wants to leave. Right. And Caesar's like, no, I want you to stay here because you being here gives me a boner. And then after that, we're done. I'll be able to use my boner on you and that'll be great and, because I like and it. And that's the whole point. 
But Mickey comes in and he's and he's like, "You want to leave?" And she's like, "Yes." And he says, "Okay, you can leave. Don't worry. I'll take care. Of, I'll take care of Caesar's boner." No, no, not that. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm not going to take care of it. You know what I mean? I'm going to tell him something, and he's going to listen to me, or I'll kill him. <laughs> right? I don't mean I'm going to hold a gun to his head and you know jerk him off to calm him down. That's not what I mean. What I mean, I don't is have to do that go. anymore. I'm high enough in the organization; they don't make me do that anymore. You can go. My therapist told me I overshare, and I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> so she leaves. Yes. Where'd she go? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, sure. I don't know. She goes to she goes to what's her she name? She goes to Corky. Yeah, she goes to Corky, and that's what all comes out. What Joey does, not Joey. What Caesar yeah. does, and who all the players are, and it's the, you know, the Spanakopita family. I can't the remember. Spanakopita what it is. family. Uh, I love it. <laughs> it's the the you know the, the hey Italian stereotype. Hey, we're the mafia. Marzoni. Marzoni. It's the Marzoni, yeah, Marzoni family, and the chief of the Marzoni family. And so Shelly, so this is where she finds out that Shelly showed up to try to convince her to leave with yes. him because he has been he has been has he was he skimming? Yeah, he's been embezzling. Yeah, he's been embezzling from the mob. Yeah. Real smart. Yeah, that, yeah I, I know, <laughs> he's right? He's been who, embezzling from the mob. Who could have what seen that? Fucking idiot! Who could have foreseen that blowing up in his face? <laughs> I didn't think they would miss their money. All right, it's always the best plan. Let me. <laughs> it's not like you're going to the bank. Doesn't send people out to cut off your fingers. <laughs> money being literally the only thing any of them give a shit about. I'm sure they yeah. won't notice if some is missing. If you embezzle from your company, the most you're ever gonna get is like three years at a club fed. And because if you're white, yeah, yeah well, that's <laughs> true. If you if Shelly would have gotten three years at a club fed. And then he probably could have gotten the same job he had before at another company. <laughs> right. Hey, he's a good accountant. What do you want? Yeah, but he said I'm gonna I'm gonna embezzle from the mob. They'll never miss it. Money's not important to them, <laughs> right? Oh no, it's all gone wrong. Yeah. So uh, so <laughs> one, one night uh, the door opens to their apartment and in comes Caesar and he's got a big old grocery bag full of hundred dollar bills that are covered in blood. It's- we have to say one night because we're not sure. It's probably that. Yeah, night. yeah. It's, it doesn't seem right. like it's too much longer after the the bathroom yeah. interrogation scene. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a big old bag of bloody Samoans. Yeah, and we're Crimson and I'm like clams, and I'm like, oh, so they mean money laundering literally? No, they. He that's actually the that's he actually is. has to wash it because yeah, I always thought that meant something else. It does mean oh, something it else. does it's a stupid metaphor. Oh, yeah, it's dumb. So, it's stupid. Okay. Okay. He literally washes the money in the washing machine with detergent, <laughs> and then he ha- air dries them. He all, hangs or, them from clotheslines and hangs yeah. them from clotheslines. It's two million dollars. Yeah, supposedly he did this all in one night, yeah. hand ironing <laughs> that, every that's single. That's a long bill. night because that's they're hundred dollar bills. So do the math: two million dollars in hundred dollar bills. That's I mean he was. He was busy. He, he didn't do it. He was busy. It. There's no, no way. There, well, no. He would have been doing it for three yeah. days if I didn't even help him. He's just doing it by himself. Stupid. Oh. Ruined the whole movie. Well, yeah, <laughs> it just took movie. me completely out Fuck of it. Fuck this movie. But Corky's got an idea. Yeah. And her idea is, I need to get away from Violet before she gets me killed. <laughs> no, that's, that's not, not the idea. That's not the idea, though. The idea is, let's take that money. Yeah. And so they have a big plan to take the money. Yeah. It's a good plan, and, too. Well, well, no, it's it, not. It didn't well, work. It didn't. It but didn't if it work. had worked, it would have been a good plan. 
but it, but didn't, it work, didn't work. So it was a bad. But plan. the idea is to the the basic idea is steal the money from Caesar, make Caesar think that Johnny stole it from him, so that they each right. think that the other ripped them off. Oh, we forgot to mention that is that Caesar and Johnny don't like each other. Yeah. They in fact hate each other, and there's nothing that Caesar can do because Johnny is the head mafiosos or the dons. Son, yeah, right. right. So, uh, so, yeah, what here's here's so while describing the plan, we also see the plan in action, yeah, right? right? The, so, what what do they do? So, first, um, I don't. Violet know. Violet uh, pretends to accidentally drop a bottle of scotch that, okay, that they yeah. were going to give so, to Gino, so she has an excuse to leave the so, apartment. Right. Caesar takes a shower, and while she's taking a shower, she opens the door. And no, yeah, no, 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 no. She doesn't open the door until she leaves. So he comes out of the shower. We almost see his dick several times. And then, so she dropped a bottle of scotch, which is Gino's favorite drink. Yeah. And so she's got to go. And he's like, okay, fine, go, go to the liquor store, get another bottle of that scotch and, and hurry up and get back here. And she's like, okay. And as she's leaving, Corky slips into the apartment. Yeah. And um, goes to where the briefcase with all the money in it is, and she unlocks it with her earring lockpicks. Yeah, good good tools to have. Yeah. Yeah. And thank goodness she has several ear holes for her, her earrings so she can hold them all, right? She's a professional. Yeah, she's a professional. She's a professional. And then she yeah. takes the money out and puts it in a plastic bag, and then she puts paper inside of it, right? So it's Right, for the weight. For yeah. the weight. And then she tippy-tippy taps out when... When Vi comes back in, right? Right. Okay. And so then she goes, she, then she takes the money and she goes next door and she puts the money in some paint. Right. To hide it. Right. So then um, Vi, what happens? How does he look in the case? Well, Violet comes back and in order to put it on Johnny, she tells uh, Caesar that while she was out, she saw Johnny leaving their apartment. Yeah. And Caesar's like, no, that can't be right. He's not supposed to be here for another hour or something. Right. And then Caesar starts to think like, oh, shit, maybe something's wrong. And then he goes and opens the case, sees the newspaper instead of the money. And he thinks that Johnny snuck in while she was gone yeah. and stole the money. And that's what she saw. She saw I mean, Johnny getting away. And he has a freak out. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, he does. So she tries to tell him, well, you got to run. We got to yeah. we got to get away. We got to get out of here. Because if you don't have the money, Mickey's going to take those pinky shears. He's going to cut off anything that dangles off your body. And he's like, no, we got to, we're going to, we're going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. Shut up. Everybody shut up. The money's gone. And what is, what plan does he come up with? Well, he, he decides that the only thing he, cause he, he, the, they're hoping that he's just going to run, but he right. decides he, he can't run cause he, he'll never get away with it though. That's right. And so he, he decides that he needs to find the money that where you know, that Johnny took, like he's yeah. assuming that Johnny took it, so he he needs to get the money back from Johnny. But he doesn't know how to do that. But he doesn't know how to do that. Yeah. And then Johnny and Gino and another guy show up, right? Right. Because they're there to pick up the money. They're there to get the two million dollars. And so, how do they do this? I can't remember. Uh, well, they, they they bring out the case. Yeah. And Caesar is like really like you know being smart alecky to Johnny and being really mm -hmm. nasty to him, sort of un, you know under his under his breath because he thinks that Johnny took the money. And Johnny, right. I mean, they don't like each other anyway. But Johnny's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, why are you so pissed off? Right. You know, because Caesar thinks that this guy just ripped him off. Right. 
and then Caesar kills him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He he kills everybody. He kills he kills all three of them. Yeah. And then he says, okay, so here's what we need to do. Well, first he pulls uh, the gun and he points it at Johnny and he tells him, you tell me where the money is. Right. And Johnny has no idea. Yeah. And then he kills them. And then he kills they, Gino first. Yeah. Gino comes, says, he, hey, come yeah. on, give me the gun. I'm, a, I'm the mob whisperer. And he almost gets <laughs> the gun away from him. Yeah. But then he shoots them. Mm. And then he shoots everybody else. And puts bullet holes all over the place. <laughs> and they're like, we got to do something. And so they drag the bodies, or he drags the bodies into the bathroom. Right. And puts them in the tub. And then closes the the, dra- the, the shower curtain. Yeah. So no one can see them. Also, I'd like to remind everybody at this point that what happens when someone dies is that their bowels open up. <laughs> so they're not exactly stink-free, but this is movie, movie corpses. And right. they don't do anything, right? Right, and also when you fire a gun, especially in an enclosed space, you can smell it yeah. for some time afterwards. Also, you go deaf. Yeah, also <laughs> that too, yeah. But we're not here to nitpick the, nitpick the yeah. plot. No, that doesn't matter. But That's yeah, so, movie physics from all the way back in the day. So his idea is that eventually he's going to get rid of the bodies and he's just going to tell Mickey that they never showed up. And as long as he can find the money, he'll be okay. Because he'll just say, well, I always, I I, I still have the money and they never showed up. And they'll think that, you know, somebody else took him out. But he has to find the money first. Right. But before that can happen, they have have another little hiccup that they have to deal with because somebody in the building, some tattletale snitch in the building heard the gun go off and called the cops. I know. What kind of people call the cops? cops because you hear a gun go off yeah so then God. what he does is he turns up the volume on a movie with shooting in it <laughs> that is conveniently playing at that exact moment and he moves some lamps around to cover up bullet holes and he sprays some febreze to get rid of the gun smoke smell and um, there's no <laughs> blood the ru- anywhere nowhere well, he put, he puts the rug on the floor where the blood is he shot gino in the neck <laughs> <laughs> There should be blood everywhere. Yeah, you would think. Yeah, there's none on the walls. There's none on the ceiling. He shot Johnny three times. Yeah. There's, so he puts the rug over the, the blood on the floor, and that's right. the only evidence of blood that we see. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and then um, the cops come by, and he says, oh, I lost my hearing aid, and it's turned up. And she goes, and she turns it off. And the cops are like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, and the big fat cop says, I'm, can I use your bathroom? And we're like, oh, oh, no, he's going to get caught. And for some weird reason, we're rooting for him. Yeah. At some weird reason, we're now rooting for the bad guy. Yeah. To not get caught. But uh, he goes in the bathroom, he uses the bathroom because he's deaf and has no sense of smell. And, you know, the bodies aren't farting because that happens. <laughs> well, it's again, it's an old trope. It's it's the, the trope of uh, cops don't know shit, which mm-hmm. is a very common trope in crime movies. Cops are completely worthless and useless and miss obvious clues and just don't know shit. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, Corky's just listening to all this in the room next door. Yeah. So, uh, yay, the cops have gotten, they left. Yeah. And, and Caesar's like, uh, who tells him to call, to call, uh, to call Mickey? Oh, well, they, remember, first they, they go to Johnny's place. Yeah, they go to Johnny's place. To look place, for the money, and, and he calls Mickey apart. from Johnny's place. Yeah. Yeah, they tear the place apart. And he says, yeah, I'm waiting for the guys, but they never showed up. I don't know what's going on. And Mickey's like, I'll check it out. Right? Right. You stay at your apartment. He's like, okay. And then they go back to the apartment, and 
What happens? He's uh, Caesar is getting ready to get rid of the bodies, and and Violet calls Corky. Oh yeah, Violet. And he catches him on the phone, and he and he figures it all out. He realizes that that Violet and Corky are the ones because they can hear the phone ringing in the other apartment. Yeah, right. And he's like, "Ha ha, lesbianism! I should have known all along." I love how there's a yeah, and and so and then uh, Corky hears him attacking Violet, so she comes running to the rescue. Yeah, and that's how she gets in the apartment, and Caesar ends up like fighting her and knocking her out and tying her up. Yep, they're tied up in the bedroom. And he has this great, this hilarious, ironic line where he talks about how oh, he hates lesbians because they can't be trusted. He's a murdering gangster. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I love that line. And. So he's about to, he wants to know where the money is. Yeah. And what he's going to do is he's going to cut off Violet's fingers in front of Corky so that Corky will tell him where the money is. And she says, it's in a paint bucket next door. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. And she's like, you can't kill me because I could be lying. And he's like, oh, logic. (laughs) You got me. You got me. But then who's who's showing? And then he knocks her out. Right. right? And uh, yeah. And then, and uh, Mickey shows up. Mickey shows up and he's like, fuck. And he tells he tells <laughs> Violet, "You're gonna do what I tell you, or I'll kill you. I'll kill every. I'm gonna kill everybody on this floor. <laughs> I assume other people live on this apartment floor. <laughs> I'll kill everybody. And they're they're like hiding in their bedroom, going, please make it stop, please make it stop, please make it stop. <laughs> this is a nightmare. <laughs> it wasn't the television. It was real bullets. I've heard people <laughs> screaming. I, please. And uh." So the plan is they both go in the bathroom. They turn on the shower, which is now spraying on top of the dead guys. On the dead people, yeah. He takes off all of his clothes, wets his hair, and he puts on a towel, and he puts a towel on his face, and he says, you just follow my leader, I'll swear to God, we'll get you. (laughs) And she's like, fine. And so he goes, and he's got his gun, and he lets Mickey in, and he's playing all dumb. He's like, I haven't seen him. I don't know where they are. I don't know what's going on. Mickey has his gun out. And he says, oh, yeah, Violet wanted to calm me down, so she's been sucking my dick in the bathroom in the shower. And Mickey's like, yeah. Because Mickey, I don't know if Mickey's sweet on her or just paternal. Right. But, yeah, he, he has some attachment to he's Violet. Got a, yeah. He's got a soft spot for Violet. Uh, yeah. And he's like, let me make you a drink. And they're all talking and talking. And he says, tells tells him about how how Caesar punched Johnny in the face and they're all talking and then Violet gets out and gets a phone right yeah right and she calls her own phone apparently yeah okay and um Caesar picks it up and she says okay you're going to pretend like you're talking to Gino yeah and he, and she's and so you're going to do what I say and he's like okay fine and she's like okay here's here's the deal you're going to tell them that they're in a car accident and that they're going to be there soon or something well right? they're at the hospital you tell them oh, they're, they're at the hospital, hospital there at St. Yeah. Mark's Hospital. You go, you send them, you get them, and they'll be gone. And then you're going to give me a million dollars, and we're going to be clear, right? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. And so he hangs up, and then they got to use his car. So yeah. they take his car keys. And Mickey's like, okay, everything's fine here, I guess. <laughs> Bye. Even though I noticed that all the furniture's moved around. Yeah. Oh, that must have been Violet's idea, huh? Yeah, that was Totally innocent explanation. Idea. And then Violet comes out and says, hi, Mickey. And he's like, hey, how you doing? And then they all, <laughs> they all leave, and then... Caesar pulls his gun and said, "Hi, I'm not gonna do what you say. I'm taking the money. You're dead, or something like that, right?" Yeah, yeah. And then what happens? 
Uh, Violet or Mickey. I think Mickey, Mickey goes. Mickey goes to get, or not Mickey. Uh, Caesar goes to get the money. Yeah. And and I think Corky get gets loose and Vi- Violet gets on the phone and calls Mickey. Yeah. And tells him the truth, or it doesn't. Tell she, him the no, truth, she doesn't even tell. Him, she says tells him, him that Caesar took the money. And yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. she doesn't even say that. He said, "I'm so sorry, Mickey, but Caesar did all of it. He's threatened me. Oh no, here he comes!" Ah, and then she hangs up the phone. Right. Yeah. And so there's a lot of running around and more fighting, and um, they run into the apartment next door, and he spilled out all the paint because that's where the money is, right? Yeah, yeah. And he gets, he's like, oh, I got a gun and I'm angry. And then um, Violet's, and he's going to kill, he, oh, he's going to kill Corky, right? Yeah, yeah. But then Violet's there, and she's got a gun, and she's like, you're not going to kill Corky. And he's like, but I want to kill Corky, and you won't <laughs> kill me. And she's like, guess what? And then she shoots him like 19 times. Oh, boy. Yeah. The neighbors the neighbors over there are like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Have their hands over their mouths. They're like, they're going to come in here. They're going to kill us next. <laughs> Children. Shutter, be quiet. I always wanted to know why the rent was so low. <laughs> exactly. But he falls down and he's dead. Yeah. Oh, no, not not our Caesar. Mm. Poor guy. So then we cut to outside and um, Violet's there with Mickey. Yeah, it's a little bit later. And Mickey's like, we'll find him. We'll find him. We'll get him. Don't you worry. You sure you don't want to come with me and be my daughter slash lover? I don't know. And she's like, no, no, I just got to get away. And he's like, okay, yeah. I understand. That's fine. And then she kisses him. And he looks confused and, and upset a little bit. Yeah. And then he gets, and he, then he leaves. And she goes, maha. And she <laughs> walks over to Corky, who's hiding behind somewhere. I don't know. And she's like, hey. And she's like, hey, that's actual dialogue. She's like, hey. And then yeah, Corky's got a brand new truck. Yep. And they get in their truck and they make out. The end. <laughs> yep. They put on matching sunglasses and they and drive away. And they put away. on matching sunglasses. They say, well, you know what the difference is between me and you? And they're like, we're like, they're like, she's like, what? And she's like, nothing. Or I don't know. <laughs> Something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. She says, she says, you know what the difference is between me and you? And Violet says, I don't know. And Corky says, neither do I. Da 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 da. And then they make out. <laughs> make out. And we assume they, they drive away in the brand new truck and have big life and lesbian adventurers somewhere else. Yay. Right Happy on, ending. On their $2 million. Yep. Nothing ever catches up to them. Nope. Not, not at sh- all. Shot down by the mob or arrested by cops and an elaborate sting operation that was taking place outside of the plot that we nope. didn't know about. Happy ending. Happy ending. That's Happy right. ending. The murderer and the ex-con get away. Yay. <laughs> So, Steve, how do you feel about this erotic thriller film noir so 1990s movie? Oh, boy. Bound. (laughs) You you are right. This is an an extremely 1990s movie. Mm. Uh, There was this, as as people old enough to remember, I'm sure know already, there was a... flood of movies that came out after Tarantino's breakthrough uh, mm-hmm. that attempted to capitalize on his popularity and some were like just straight attempts to rip him off oh yeah they were and and then there were others like this one that tried to do what Tarantino did but do it in their own way and mm-hmm. and to do like a fresh take on a crime picture and 
I think Bound, of all of those movies that came out in the wake of Tarantino, Bound is one of, if not the best. I, I think this is such a good movie. Um, I'm really impressed with how smart the screenplay is. It knows how to tell what is essentially a classic film noir caper story, but it does it in a way so that it doesn't feel like a retread of something that we've seen a thousand times before. I like that the plan that Corky and Violet hatch to get that $2 million is really clever. And of course it falls apart. It, it's inevitably not going to go according to plan because otherwise you don't have a movie. And when it does fall apart, it falls apart in the most interesting ways. There's such great use of dramatic irony here in that scene where, you know, every, they're trying to, before they open the case, you know, when Gino and Johnny are there and Caesar's there and, and he thinks that Johnny took the money and we know things that the characters don't know. And there's so much tension and suspense in that scene. Uh, the screenplay is so efficient. There's no wasted time. Uh, we establish the attraction between Corky and Violet immediately in their very first scene together. We move through that initial phase of their relationship quickly, but not so quickly that it feels like we're rushing through it. We establish a lot of their characters through their dialogue and the acting. Not There's not really a lot of exposition. Um, we set up the rules of the game and, and who the personalities are so that we as the audience can have expectations and we can become invested in the outcome. And that's the key. During our review, you talked about how in that scene, it's like we're kind of rooting for Caesar. And I think it's not just that. I think the reason why it feels that way, at least for me, it's not so much that I'm rooting for Caesar. It's that I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested to know what's going to happen. The movie has me hooked so that I'm just sitting there going, oh shit, what's gonna happen? What's gonna, ha are they gonna open the case? What's gonna happen when they open the case? Is Caesar gonna get away with this? Is Caesar gonna convince Gino that Johnny stole the money? Or so who is somebody gonna kill somebody? Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm crazy to find out what's gonna happen next. And that is exactly where you want the audience to be in a movie like this. Um, so, and also it's, it's very well directed by the Wachowskis. I love their use of overhead shots throughout the film. Mm. And I especially love how that pays off. It's not just a, a stylistic thing that they throw in for no reason. It pays off because there's that, there, there's two payoffs as I, as I remember it. There's the tracking shot where they go from one apartment to the next over the wall, where we see Violet and Corky touching the wall on the opposite sides. Um, and then there's also, they cut to an overhead shot after Violet shoots Caesar and you see see his uh, blood splashing into the white paint from overhead, which is such a cool shot. Um, really, really nice work. I, I love the way that the movie is sexy without feeling exploitative. I love that there's actual filmmaking going on in the sex scenes, the, the big scene between the two of them when they're back at Corky's apartment. It's, there's, there's actual filmmaking happening. It's like a long, continuous shot that goes around. And it's not just like set up the camera and watch the sexy people get naked, which is the kind of thing that you often see in films like thrillers like this that have uh, sex scenes. I like the fact that the, the fact that they're lesbians is, is obviously important, but it's not the whole point of the movie. And it's a movie about 
characters who are gay, but it's not like a sexual awakening thing where they're discovering their sexuality. These are obviously mature women. They know who they are. You know, they hook up with each other because that's just who they are. And the movie isn't trying to educate us or sell us on, you know, the virtues of, of lesbianism. It's just these two characters just so happen to be of that persuasion and that's who they are. And it's treated, you know, in an adult mature way. Um, I love the performances. I love the way the two lead performances set the tone for the whole movie because they walk that line between being hard-boiled and being a parody of a hard-boiled crime movie. Yeah. Je Jennifer Tilly is so sultry as Violet that she pushes it like right up to the edge of just becoming a cartoon character. Like when she opens the door for, for Quirky when she comes to fish her earring and she's in that sexy like lingerie, I burst out laughing. It is such a funny because it's like it's it's almost over the top, but she never goes too far. And I feel like that's the movie's tone in general. It has this very precarious balancing act where it almost tips over into self parody, but it never quite does. And and they pull it off. So I mean, my, my question after watching it, and this was the first time I had seen this when I watched it for, for our show. I had not seen it uh, before. And my question is like, how the hell did so many people miss this when it first came out? Because it's such a good movie. It's so inventive, so creative, so exciting, and so fun that you would think this would have been a big hit at the time, but it really wasn't. So that's my question, is what the fuck happened that we completely missed this the first time around? Because I really, really dig it. I think it's a terrific movie. Are you, are you done? I'm done. I'm done now. How do you expect to get those yeehaws down in the southern states to go to the multiplex and go see that lesbian movie? <laughs> you mean them women gonna be touching on each other? They waited until it wound up in Blockbuster. <laughs> right, so they could watch it in private. Can you wrap that in a paper bag? <laughs> Just take the label off of that. <laughs> I don't want my wife to see it so she gets any ideas. <laughs> I like this movie too. I I enjoyed it. I I I haven't seen this movie in so long since I saw it. In the, well, no, I think I saw it when it came out on DVD, and um, I do enjoy it. It is a film noir, and you know what? You could even say that them being le lesbians are completely immaterial to the plot. Yeah. You could have easily removed Corky and replaced Corky with a male, and the plot would have remained, for the most part, unchanged. There's a little bit of a plot twist that relies on Caesar's complete idiocy <laughs> on the fact that it's impossible that the woman that he sleeps with could could in any way, shape, or form be a lesbian. Yeah. That saves them at the beginning of the film, but for the most part, Corky could have been a man, right? I yeah. don't know if yeah. this was ever specifically written to be a, you know, quote-unquote lesbian film where people are discovering this thing about themselves let me let me give you a quick hint guys gays and lesbians discover this thing about them way before they're in their 20s or 30s <laughs> Um, and I'm not discounting those films. Those films are around and they're important. But this was like the first film where it really didn't matter, right? It didn't matter that, that these two women were lesbians. Right. And it was filmed with some sensitivity to uh, these two characters being lesbians. They kind of wanted to get that accurate. But they could only go so far because they were holding to tropes, right? Yeah. Corky's the handyman who gets caught up in this web of intrigue with this mysterious lady. And Violet is the mysterious lady. And everybody else they're pretty much stereotypical mob guys. Yeah. 
Um, what makes this a little bit different from most film noirs is that this one has an intricate heist in the middle, or to the middle to the end, right? Yeah. All these things have to happen. And then what they do that's really interesting with the script is that it goes from the original heist to the schemes that they have to keep coming up with in order for Cesare not to get caught and for then Violet not getting killed. Yeah. Um, and in the end, we just killed, we killed Cesare. If this has been more closely uh, hewn to a uh, uh, traditional noir thriller, Vi would have killed Corky and taken the money. Yeah. And then got caught on the steps by police officers going, ah, you thought you'd get away with it, huh? And then she'd get the chair or they'd allude to her getting the chair or something like that. Yeah. Because noir, they, they, everyone had to pay it by the end, right? Right. Or Vi would take the money, take off, and then Corky would go back to prison, right? Yeah, yeah. This one actually managed to have a happy ending. Yay, they got away with it. They're still criminals. They're not good people. They're not good people. <laughs> <laughs> they stole money and murdered somebody. So, and and their actions caused a lot more people to get killed, right? Yeah, oh yeah. So, um I still love it. I still like the movie. And you're right. This is because Tarantino came out and said, look at me, I'm a genius. Ha ha. And a lot of people wanted to, you know, kind of capitalize on this kind of indie, give these kind of new younger folks a chance to make movies. Thankfully, this movie is not trying to uh, imitate the verbosity of a Quentin Tarantino film. Otherwise, this movie would have been nine hours long until um, instead of the wonderfully one hour and 48 minutes this yeah. movie is. This movie knows exactly what it wants to do, and it does it very very, very well. There's not a whole lot of fat to trim. Everything and all the scenes are in service to the plot, the motivation of the characters. We don't have to delve too deeply into them. We don't have to hear about their tragic backstories unless no. it's an offhand thing, right? Simple storytelling. This is a thriller. Maybe an erotic thriller. I would say the characters have sex in it, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's it's more of a noir than an erotic thriller. Yeah, I think so too, but it gets placed in that category yeah. because two women's, and it's like, no, 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 no. This is not an erotic thriller like the other erotic thrillers. Women are treated awfully in the other erotic oh, thrillers. Oh, boy. Yeah. Because instead of scheming, they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> This one is a, a noir thriller featuring crime people doing crime shit. And it's so well written and so well put together and it moves so quickly that you just go along with it. And thankfully, a lot of the plot involves people making bad decisions, not contrivances. Yeah. Right? People making bad decisions that move the plot forward. Not, you know, some person was looking through a window or, you know, some other character knew something all along or, you know, any of that bullshit. <laughs> So it's, that's what I like about it. It's well-written. It's tightly crafted. You don't really care necessarily about the people per se, but you, like I said, it is weird that you start rooting that Caesar will get away with it, even though you know that if he does, Vi and Corky will die. But then when we switch back over to Vi and Corky, you then want them to get away with it. So it's kind of like the film sets it up so you start rooting for the person that is doing the scheme. Right. Rather than going, oh, I hope Caesar doesn't get away with it. Hope that cop pulls back that curtain and then he goes to jail. Mickey shows up. They can make up any goddamn story they want. Corky <laughs> went crazy and he killed everybody. <laughs> right. And now the cops have him, right? 
So I liked it. I liked it. It was good. It's my favorite Wachowski film. I said it. Mine too. I'm say it again. Mine too. I think it's better than The Matrix. I do too. I think yeah. it's much better than The Matrix or any of the other movies that they directed. Um, I like Viva Fortuna, but they only wrote it. They didn't direct yeah. the film. So, um, yeah, Steve, classic? Yeah, classic. Totally. Yeah, me too. Classic. Stamp it. It's good. <laughs> Put it on the wall. <sighs> All right, Steve. Yeah. So, uh-huh. do you have a not recommend? Oh yeah, yeah. The fun's over. Ah, time to time to not recommend a movie since we like this one. Yeah. So, and this was this is one of the easiest not recommendations I have ever had to choose in the history of this show, because I knew if I liked Bound that I was going to not recommend this movie. Okay. Uh, one of the one of the genres that Bound belongs to is erotic thriller. As we just said, it's probably not the best category to put it in, but it no. but it is often spoken of as as that, and it has certain elements of that. So the thing about erotic thrillers is that most of them are really really bad. So there's plenty to choose from if I want to not recommend an erotic thriller. I have chosen. Uh, an erotic thriller to not recommend that is not only absolutely awful, but happens to star some of my favorite actors, because that's always fun. So the movie I am not recommending is from 1993. It is mm-hmm. also produced by Dino De Laurentiis. So yeah, we get, a, a, get a little, <laughs> uh, you know, get a little yeah, yeah, yeah. Sy- synergy there. It's a movie that some of you may remember called Body of Evidence. Oh, God. And it stars Madonna, Mm -hmm. who is an incredibly talented person. It just so happens that acting is not among her many talents. Uh, and one of my favorite actors ever in the history of anywhere, Willem Dafoe, who yeah. is who is slumming it for a paycheck in this absolutely abysmal piece of garbage that also stars. I mean, the cast in this is amazing. Jurgen Prochnow is in it, and Julian Moore, and Joe Mantegna, and yeah. Frank Langella. I mean, the can the I just cast. say this right now? Yeah, can I say this right now. Please. It has the most upsetting sex scenes. Up until yeah. Antichrist. Oh. Another Willem yeah, Dafoe. Another film. Willem Dafoe. Holy <laughs> shit, I didn't think about that. But yes. Yeah, and the ones in and the ones in Antichrist are supposed to be upsetting. <laughs> like <laughs> these, I don't think they're supposed to be as off-putting as they are. Um, but yeah, so the sex isn't sexy. The story actually it's it's one of those there's there's the story behind this where the screenplay for this movie was apparently one of the most sought-after screenplays. Before the movie was made, I have no idea why, because it's a no. terribly written movie. It's absolutely awful. Uh, the acting, even with all of these talented people, the acting is nothing to write home about. It's basically basic instinct, only the the guy is a lawyer instead of a cop. <laughs> like, other than that, it's bas- that's basically it. Um, and it's just terrible. So my not recommendation, one of the, I think one of the worst films I have ever not recommended on this show <laughs> is Body of Evidence. I do not recommend that you see that. Okay, my turn. Yes. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie that we just uh, reviewed. And the year is 1996. And the movie that I'm going to tell you to not watch, I'm not going to worry about you guys finding it because I, it disappeared, <laughs> is another erotic thriller. Oh, boy. Except this one is set in the most erotic s- settings ever, a fish market. <laughs> Imagine the possibilities of stinking <laughs> wet fish. Everybody has a sexy fish market story. Unfortunately, it also stars Edward James Olmos and Maria Conchita Alonso. Uh, and the movie is called Caught. Get it? 
Oh, because of the Ca- fish. Caught because, of the, oh, because of the fish. That's clever. Right. They could have called it hooks, I guess. <laughs> it's yeah. awful. Don't watch it. It's about how this drifter guy um, starts fucking a woman. And there's a guy and a father and the son comes home and he's been replaced by this guy. And it's stupid and it's boring. And I don't like talking about it because it makes me sad for cinema. <laughs> Wow, that's a not recommendation right there, buddy. But if you see it, don't waste your time on it. It's not terribly long, but it was made by nobody, and it's and it was immediately forgotten after it was released because we were thriller crazy. I don't know how many thrillers came out during this year, but it was a lot. It was like 20 thrillers came out this year. None of them are remembered because all of them are terrible. Yeah. And everyone kept saying, well, we'll switch him up. We'll get Bruce Willis. He'll be in an erotic thriller. And we'll put uh, some other woman in an erotic thriller. This is all because of basic instinct. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, all none of them were any... I, I mean, we're probably going to review it at some point, so I won't go into details, but I don't think basic instinct is all that great either. But uh, all what? these... All, all these erotic thrillers. But they, we they see were... her pussy that makes it good. <laughs> I believe that's what Gene Siskel said. I bet. I and bet Ebert did. was like, come on, Gene. <laughs> nope, I'm not changing. I saw her pussy. It's good. Four stars. <laughs> yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that. I'm just going to leave that there. Siskel is just his head in his hands. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You're going to be the famous one. People are going to forget me as soon as I die, but you're going to be the famous one? You're going to be the famous one. You fucking wrote Return to the Valley of the fucking Dolls because you were fanboying over Russ Meyer. Over Russ Meyer. You weird pervert. (laughs) It's not fair. (laughs) It really isn't. Uh, anyway, yeah, great. Hey, Steve, guess what? It's it's time to do the thing where I make a it's terrible choice. It's time for choice. you to make a terrible choice. Oh, boy. So Steve is going to pick the next movie we're going to review, and he makes a blind choice from three different movies. And guess what else we forgot, Steve? What what else did we forgot? What month is it, Steve? Oh, it's February. And what holiday in February do we always do a special show for, Steve? <laughs> oh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> It's right. We always do a romantic comedy in February, our favoritest genre ever. Because there are so many great films in that genre. That fall into that. Yeah, that's right. We've done Breakfast at Tiffany's. We did Love Actually. We we did, I don't know, something that hurt. A bunch of bad movies. If I try to recall them, my mind just becomes screams and ghost echoes. I don't know. I can't remember all of them that we've done so far, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, yeah. we've already done Pretty Woman. We didn't do it in February. We just did it. because We got it out of the way. Yeah. So, Steve, okay. you get to choose A, B, or C. <sighs> I'm going to go A. God damn it. Oh, <laughs> See, I was thinking. It's been a while since I picked A. I'll pick A. I oh, picked yeah, it's A. A great method. That's a great method, Steve. Thanks. That's, that's <laughs> great. Way. It's always worked out. You're, it's it's always worked out for us. It's important uh-huh. to have yeah, a strategy. Yeah, yeah. It's important sure, to yeah, approach sure. with a strategy. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, had you picked B, okay, we would have reviewed a movie that you actually like. Really? Roman Holiday. Oh fuck me! Oh my god! Roman Holiday. We maybe maybe Jason would be convinced it's a good movie. Uh. I doubt it, but uh, maybe <laughs> I could have been convinced. That okay. It was good. Okay. So no Roman Holiday. Okay. Had you picked C, 
which barely fits into this category, but it, it's in it. We would have reviewed Annie Hall. Okay. It's a reminiscent comedy. We, we would have ripped off that Woody Allen Band-Aid. That's right. We could have done two. Th- we could have gotten done with two things, right? Okay, but that's not the one I picked. That's not the one you picked. You okay, son of a bitch. I'm sorry. I didn't know. The movie that we're going to review is the hilarious romantic oh comedy based on a book. Oh. And brought us an actress who always looks like she's been stung in the face by a bee. Oh. Oh, good. The movie we're going to review. Is Bridget Jones's diary? Oh yay! <laughs> yay! Yippee! Yay! So, if you guys want to hate us more, please rush out and watch Bridget Jones's diary before the next podcast drops. And that's it. We're done. We're finished. Yep. We're finished. It feels like we're, I want to die now. We're finished. <laughs> we're finished. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again. For Late Seating, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. I'm not apologizing for what I did. I'm apologizing for what I didn't do. What didn't you do? Oh, oh, um, well, I was, you, remember you, you asked me to, to take your car out and get it washed? Yeah, yeah. I never did that. What? I'm sorry. So I get to drive around in a dirty car? Well, I... Someone I, drew a dick in the dust on the back window! Well, that was me. I'm sorry. God I was damn gonna, it! I was, well, go- I was gonna write wash me, like, to remind me, and then I... Yeah, I, but I, then I, you I just, just were overcame. Just, yeah. <laughs> It's not the dick itself that's the problem. It's all the squirting jism you put on the back of it. Well, well, it makes me look like a pervert. When I did it at first, I wasn't sure if people would read it as a dick. Because I'm not a great artist. So I put the jizz coming out so people would see that and they would get it. Oh, they wouldn't get the what you wrote underneath it on the on the, on the the back hood that says, <laughs> I love dick. My name is Jason Harding. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, no, I'm not saying somebody liking dick is inherently bad. It's just not my preference. Oh, so you're concerned about the inaccuracy. Yeah, it okay. doesn't reflect who I am. Okay, okay. Had you put a great big vagina there and it said, I love vagina, signed Jason Harding, that would, I still would be upset, okay? okay. You All right? would be upset. Well, I do drive church ladies home after church on Sundays. Okay, so no genitalia and written in the dust at all. You don't know how embarrassing it's going to be to be at a stop sign with four or five old ladies and it says on the back i love vagina i'm gonna get a reputation in town funnily enough i know exactly how that feels but i'll tell you that story later good bye everybody (laughs) bye everybody okay all right okay that's better i can see my peaks and valleys yippee skippy don't you look at my peaks and valleys. Oh, no, no. Well, you said you That's, have a problem with intimacy, so. It's only for Mrs. Jason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These peaks and valleys are only for me and my wife. <laughs> no one else has seen my peaks and valleys yeah. since my mother changed my diaper. <laughs> okay, I think I'm good over here. All right, good. <clears throat> Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts.
Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Lemmy Listen. And thanks for listening.